Welcome to the Gibson Perkins Tax Podcast. My name is Ted Perkins, and over the next few minutes, we will be highlighting the latest federal and state tax developments for the months of March 2021. By far the most significant development was the passage of the American Rescue Plan Act, signed into law on March 11th. In addition to the various stimulus provisions, the Act also includes a number of significant tax provisions. First, the Act provides a third round of non-taxable stimulus checks directly payable to individuals. The payments are structured as refundable tax credits against 2021 taxes. The maximum payments are $1,400 per eligible individual, $2,800 for married joint filers, and $1,400 for each dependent. The payments phase out proportionally between $75,000 and $80,000 of AGI for single filers, between $112,500 and $120,000 for head of households, and $150,000 and $160,000 for married joint filers. Eligibility is based on information from the 2020 income tax return, or 2019 returns if the 2020 return has not been filed, for households whose payment was based on the 2019 income data and who would be eligible to receive a larger payment based on 2020 data, the IRS is directed to issue supplementary payments. The Act also amends the child tax credit for 2021. Under the Act, the definition of qualifying children now includes 17-year-olds, and the credit is increased to $3,000 per child, $3,600 for children under 6 years old. The increase is subject to modified adjusted gross income phase-out rules, and the credit is now made refundable. The IRS will make periodic advance payments totaling 50% of the estimate of the credit in the last half of 2021. For 2021, the earned income tax credit is increased for taxpayers with no qualifying children, and age restrictions for those taxpayers are relaxed. After 2020, taxpayers that have a qualifying child but can't meet the identification requirements for the qualifying child are nevertheless allowed the credit. And taxpayers may use the greater of their 2019 or 2021 earned income in calculating the credit for 2021. After 2020, the amount of investment income that a taxpayer can have and still earn the credit is increased, and there is a broadening of the existing exception to the credit's joint filing requirement under which separated married people eligible to file jointly are allowed the credit even if they don't file a joint return. The Act makes changes to the child and dependent care credit, making the credit refundable for 2021. It also increases the amount of qualifying expenses that are taken into account for the credit from $3,000 to $8,000 if there's one qualifying care recipient, and from $6,000 to $16,000 if there are two or more. Further, the Act increases the maximum percentage of qualifying expenses for which the credit is allowed from 35% to 50% and changes the phase-down rules based on AGI. In regard to dependent care assistance programs, for 2021, the amount excludable under a dependent care assistance program is increased by the Act to $10,500 or $7,500 for a married taxpayer filing a separate return. This increase to the dependent care assistance program exclusion also affects the child and dependent care credit, as the amount of expenses taken into account for the credit is reduced by the amount excludable from the taxpayer's income under Code Section 129. For 2021 and 2022, the health care premium assistance credit will be available for a larger percentage of 
insurance premiums. In addition, individuals whose income is greater than 400% of the poverty line will still be eligible for the credit. For 2020, individuals who were provided advances of the credit under the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act in excess of the credits to which they were entitled are not obligated to pay back the excess. And notwithstanding any other rules, individuals who receive unemployment compensation during 2021 are also eligible for the credit. For 2020, taxpayers with modified adjusted gross income less than $150,000 can exclude from gross income $10,200 of their unemployment benefit. This exclusion is available to each spouse if a joint return is filed. For taxpayers who have already filed their 2020 returns and did not exclude unemployment benefits, the IRS has announced that they should not file an amended return but await further guidance from the service. Finally, on the individual side, Beginning in 2021 and continuing through 2025, the forgiveness of many types of loans for post-high school education will not result in income inclusion for the forgiven amounts. Regarding provisions affecting businesses, the paid sick leave and family leave credits are extended to apply to wages paid through September 30, 2021, instead of March 31, 2021. In a revenue raiser, the disallowance of excess business losses is extended to run through 2026 instead of ending in 2025. In another revenue raiser, tax years beginning after calendar year 2026, the $1 million annual cap on deductibility of compensation paid to certain categories of employees of publicly held corporations is expanded to include the five highest compensated employees not included in other categories. The Act provides favorable tax consequences for targeted economic injury disaster loan advances made by the SBA under the Economic Aid to Hard-Hit Small Business, Nonprofits, and Venues Act. The advances will not be included in income, and the income exclusion doesn't result in deduction disallowances, denial of basis increases, or reduction of other tax attributes. This same treatment will apply to SBA restaurant revitalization grants. In other tax developments, the IRS has announced that the federal income tax filing due date for individuals for the 2020 tax year will automatically be extended from April 15th to May 17th. Pennsylvania Department of Revenue has followed suit and alerted taxpayers that the filing and payment due dates for 2020 Pennsylvania personal income tax return has also been extended to May 17th of 2021. The department will also waive penalties and interest on returns and payments filed by the extended due date. In Notice 2021-13, the IRS has provided transitional penalty relief to partnerships in complying with new rules for reporting partners' capital account balances. Under the notice, partnerships that did not previously maintain partners' capital accounts under the tax basis methods in their books and records may use either the modified outside basis method or the modified previously taxed capital account method or the Section 704B method as described in the draft instructions to determine partners' beginning tax basis capital account balance for 2020. The news release stated that transition penalty relief for errors in 2020 tax year reporting of partners beginning capital accounts on Schedules K-1 would promote compliance with the revised instructions. Partnerships also will not be subject to a penalty due to errors in reporting partners ending 2020 capital account balances that result solely from incorrect beginning capital balances eligible for relief. 
In a tax-friendly development, the IRS said it would issue proposed regulations allowing S-corporations and partnerships to deduct specified income tax payments paid to state and local governments above the line and not as pass-through items for partners and shareholders. Notice 2020-75 defines the specified income tax payments as any amount a partnership or an S-corporation pays to a state for income taxes imposed on the partnership or the S-corporation. These rules mean that specified income tax payments paid as state and local income taxes imposed on and paid by a partnership or S-corporation on its income are allowed as a deduction by the partnership or S-corporation in computing its non-separately stated taxable income or loss for the tax year of payment. As a result, they are not passed through to the partners or shareholders where they would be subject to the deductibility limitation of $10,000 on state and local taxes. The AICPA has asked for guidance on S-Corporation and Partnership PPP loan forgiveness. Taxpayers are seeking guidance on Paycheck Protection Program loan forgiveness issues. Under Code Section 276, S-Corporations and Partnerships treat the exclusion from gross income under the Paycheck Protection Program as tax-exempt income and shareholders and partners increase their tax basis in the S-corporation or partnership based on their share of the tax-exempt income. However, the fact that the period in which qualifying expenses were paid does not necessarily match the period for obtaining PPP loan forgiveness adds complexity to the application of this basis increase. The AICPA is recommending that the IRS issue guidance stating that the proper period for the inclusion of the tax-exempt income due to Section 276 is when the PPP borrower pays or incurs qualifying expenses during the covered forgiveness period. On its website, the IRS has announced that as of March 18, 2020 recovery rebate credit will no longer be applied to past due federal income tax debts. This announcement does not apply to debts owed to other federal government or state agencies. In state and local tax news, the Philadelphia Department of Revenue has announced that small and medium-sized businesses can now submit an annual no-tax liability form instead of filing a full business income and receipts tax return. In the past, although businesses that had $100,000 or less in Philadelphia taxable gross receipts did not owe the business income and receipts tax, they still had to file a return. The new form allows businesses with $100,000 or less in Philadelphia taxable gross receipts to fulfill their tax filing obligations with almost no paperwork. Taxpayers who made more than $100,000 will still have to file a business income and receipts tax return easy or a full business income and receipts tax return. On its website blog, the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue provides guidance regarding whether Pennsylvania taxpayers may deduct their home office expenses during telework for personal income tax purposes. The law permits a taxpayer to claim certain unreimbursed employee business expenses, including a deduction for home office expenses. The deduction is allowable for taxpayers who are temporarily working from home during the pandemic if their employer does not provide a suitable work area where they are not permitted to report to their normal employer-provided work area due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Taxpayers must also satisfy the following conditions. Their employer requires them as a condition of employment to maintain a suitable work area away from the employer's premises. The office or work area is the principal place where they perform the duties of their employment, and they use the office or work area regularly to perform the duties of that employment. 
Further, there must be exclusive use of the area for which the home office deduction is claimed. The Philadelphia Department of Revenue has amended its regulations to abate interest and penalties on business income and receipts tax, net profits tax, earnings tax, and school income tax for tax year 2020 that are paid no later than May 17, 2021. No late filing or other penalty will be imposed with respect to the returns for those taxes so long as they are filed no later than May 17th. That wraps up the Gibson and Perkins Tax Podcast for March of 2021. Thank you for listening, and listen again in April for our next edition of the Gibson and Perkins Tax Podcast, highlighting the latest in federal and state tax development.